Yes, hello everybody out there and welcome to ClickerCast, the Last of Us podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight and joining me, I hope he's not infected, it's best been bulletin from Bob the podcast. How you doing mate? I'm not bad mate, I try not to leave the house, so I hope I'm not infected. No, you know, uh, no, um, no tendrils coming out of your mouth? No tendrils coming out of my mouth just yet, you know, no twitching, pretty, pretty relaxed, you know, emotional after watching this episode, but relax nonetheless dude no you're telling me for everyone out there this is as we mentioned ClickerCast. we're going to be covering every episode of the last of us on hbo and sky atlantic for the next nine weeks uh, we're going to do it every week and it's going to be spoiler heavy as well if you're listening to this show firstly cheers secondly if you haven't watched the episode episode one which is 120 minutes long that's a lie one hour and 20 minutes long then go check it out because we're going to be talking full spoilers. Alternatively, if you've played the game, then, well, you know what's going to happen. But yeah, do we wanted to let you know we're going to talk spoilers. And I guess before we quickly talk about the episode, what's your what's your relationship with the games? Because the first one came out, what, 10 years ago now um, from Neil Druckmann and Naughty Dog. He don't give a druck, man. What's your uh, relationship <laughs> with the first game especially, but also the uh, maligned second game? Well, the my relationship with the first game is uh, I played it. I think the year it came out um, at a friend's house. I didn't at the time. I didn't have a PS3. I had a Xbox 360. Um, so I played at a friend's house and was like amazed by it. Like my jaw dropped. Um, I played other Naughty Dog games. Uh, you know, Uncharted, uh, Ratchet and Clank. Uh, no, not Ratchet and Clank. Jack and Daxter. Um, and obviously the Crash Bandicoot games, but uh, obviously Naughty Dog matured as their games did, going from Crash to Jack and Daxter to Uncharted to this. Um, and it amazed me. And then the following year, I had a PlayStation uh, 4 and uh, they re-released it. They remastered the game and I had it straight away. I had to replay it again. Um, and when they brought it out again last year, I bought it again and I played it again. Um <laughs> So yeah, like it's. I always tell people it's my favorite game of all time. Um, I think it's it's always been such a special game, and I think video games always had great stories, but I think this was a turning point uh, for the industry and for the and for what the genre is. Um, you know, obviously, there's been a lot of zombie games over the years. This isn't zombies, but you know, people compare it. Yeah. Um, and I just think it was so much heart and character and the messaging in the game was just so powerful that it transcended the medium in which it was built. So for me, The Last of Us, the first one still remains my favorite game and always held a special place in my heart. And then the second one, I never wanted a second game because mm-hmm. I, th- I thought the first one was perfect. The way the game ends, I was like, it's open-ended but it's it leaves you thinking i'm wanting more but you didn't need the sequel but i'm so glad they did because once again they for me at least they delivered you know um falling in love with ellie and joel once again um seven years after the first game and the new characters introduced it was all yeah uh in Druckmann we trust yeah so if he wants to do a third game and the rumors are that they have ideas and this might be early pre-production, bring it on. Give me more Last of Us. The Last of Us Factions comes out this year, apparently. Multiplayer game. 
Um, and I'm all in. Anything Dragon wants to give me in this universe, I'm a sucker for. So I'm so glad he's on board for this show. Mate, I can't wait. I hope they do do a third game just because... I don't like the idea of trilogies anymore in film because I think it's I think it's outdated. It's a bit it's a bit old school now. But there's something romantic about the Last of Us one, two, and three. A kind of really tight trilogy. However, the same that was said of the first game in terms of the ending could also be applied at the end of the second game. I'm not going to spoil it. Mm. You, you don't have to do anything, but if you do. You're going to have to go some way to top game one and game two. I was later to the party. I think I played it about four years ago, I think. Maybe uh, The Last of Us. Four, that sounds about right to me. And I was... I've heard of it. I'd heard of it many times. I'd heard how how many people loved it, how the game endured uh, over the years. But I'd never played it. I, hadn't, I didn't have a console for the longest time. But when I did, I was blown away. For, for me... Uh, coming from a movie background, story comes first ahead of gameplay, and I thought the gameplay in the first game was was good. You know, the mechanics were good. I enjoyed it, but the story is what blew me away, mate. Genuinely, the story mm. of survival and humanity and mortality and everything else has been leveled at this game absolutely floored me. Do you know what I mean? I, I, you, you hear how people say that games can't tell a story like a film can. Well, they can. And they have done for a long time. And this is a prime example. The, the game blew me away. I love the characters of Joel and Ellie, especially from game one, and how they then developed in part two and matured. Maybe not like the some of the audience did, but part two, I thought, I go back and forward on what I prefer, whether it's part one or part two. Part two is just a, a behemoth. It's a monster of a game. And mm-hmm. the themes are different, but they're no less powerful. But there's something about that first game. It's a little tighter. It's a little shorter. And uh, it, it hooked me. It really, really hooked me. So when they said they were going to be doing a TV adaptation, I was very excited, especially when I heard Druckmann was on board and Mazin as well, Craig Mazin of Chernobyl fame and many parody films about a decade or two, two ago. I was very excited. And then I saw the casting of Pedro Pascal, of Bella Ramsey. They brought back Merle Dandridge to reprise her role as Marlene. we got Gabriel Luna... Um, Nick Offerman shows up. Dude, I was in. But they still had to do it. They still got to adapt it. Were they going to go straight up adaptation? Were they going to throw a lot of what made the first game so brilliant and beautiful out the window? Would it be a kind of Resident Evil knockoff? It's time we get into it, my friends. So the final reminder, if you haven't seen episode one of The Last of Us, which is titled When You're Lost in the Darkness... Tune out now and come back after you've watched it. Mate, as somebody who's been invested in this world for a long time now, did it did it stand up to your expectations? Uh, it surpassed my expectations. Oh, Just yes. like you, um, having HBO attached to it, the prestige that that brings. Like, HBO is prestige TV. Um, you know, making all-time classics such as, like, The Sopranos, The Wire... You know, um, it's, it's divisive the last few seasons of Game of Thrones, but the early seasons are incredible. You can't knock them, yeah. Um, you know, um, and it's like at the moment, Succession as well, like that's an incredible TV series. Um, so having them attached was like, you know, it gave me hope. But then having Druckmann come aboard and then Mazin, it was like, this should be good. This should be good. It could be good. All the pieces are aligning. Um, and again, like me and you, we played the games, and 
you know what's coming uh. in this episode. <laughs> you know what's going to happen in this episode. But it's still just as thrilling and riveting and emotional and impactful like throughout. There's minor changes that work as yeah. well. And, um, you know, Joel, Joel and Ellie in my heart will always be Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson. Um, but Pedro and, and, and Bella, they've done an exceptional job in this series and in this episode. Um, you know, because as a disclaimer, you and I, we have seen all nine. Um, we have both written non-spoiler reviews. Uh, so if anybody mm-hmm. wants to check those out, they can on whatiwatchtonight.co.uk and bestmanbolton.com. Um, but for this episode, man, like Pedro Pascal especially blew me away. So, yeah, I'll, I'll leave to you. What did you think of this episode? Same. I was I was floored by this. I was so worried going in that it would be that they'd fall one too hard one way or the other. It'd focus too much on the infected slash infection, or it would be too much on the character side. And I love me a character drama. I love that's one of my that's my favourite genre, if not one of them. But what made the Last of Us special was how it blended all of those aspects together. And I'll be damned if they didn't do it here. Craig Mason directed this and. It was fantastically done. And like you said, we have seen all nine. We are going to keep the discussion to just this one episode. So we, again, if you've played the game, you know, you've, you know, most of the story. So thank you to the guys at Sky and HBO for providing us with all nine episodes. We much appreciate it. But yeah, I thought this was, I thought this was outstanding. What I will say is you can tell that this was originally supposed to be two episodes, like um, Craig Mason and Druckmann said, because the change in tone is apparent. It's necessary, but you can tell where they were going to cut it off, roll credits, and then come back the next week. I'm so glad they didn't, because the way we go from the absolute carnage of the first 30 to 40 minutes to seeing where the world is 20 years later, I think is such a brilliant tonal change. It also allows us to, to live with these characters a bit more, especially Joel, after what he goes through. We haven't got to wait a week to see how how he's been affected in the future. We can see it straight away whilst it's still fresh in the back of our minds. Um, like you said, this there are changes to this. There's a, there's a prologue scene which set, takes place in 1968. The outbreak day is now in 2003, and the present day is literally present day 2023. So they shifted some of the dates mm-hmm. up, but that, that kind of thing it doesn't works. bother me. Yeah, exactly. There's not much they could have done, really. I genuinely, not much they could have done that really would have rankled me. Like I mentioned, changing the tones too much one way or the other, that would have kind of, that would have taken away a lot of the magic for me, but there wasn't really much they could do. And out of the changes that are apparent, especially when it comes to the infected, none of it bothers me because you've got to change it up for a different format. This is TV. It's not video games and there's no, that's not to be condescending whatsoever, but you have to change it. We're not playing as the characters. We are now watching it through their POV. And I think they handled that really well, mate. And yeah, that, but that tone change in the middle, the first 40 minutes, I can't wait to see what people who haven't played the game think of this episode, especially the first, because we spend a lot of yeah. time with Sarah, don't we? They really flesh out Sarah, who's played brilliantly by Nico Parker. We spend a bit of time with her. And then we're not spending much more time with her after that, are we, mate? No. Uh, on Parker, I didn't know until today that she's Sandy uh, Newton's daughter. She is. Sandy Newton and yeah. Old Parker, the, the screenwriter. But if, if, if you, as soon as you know that, as soon as you look at 
Nico Park, yeah. you could think, oh, damn, that's a spitting image of Tandy. Yeah, exactly. And, um, no, she's fantastic. I think this is, she's the, she's the star that I've seen, um, talked about most on, on Twitter following, uh, the release of the episode last night. Yeah. Um, I thought all the attention would have been on, on Pedro, but no, it's her. And rightfully so. Um, obviously the relationship between Joel and Sarah in the game is, is powerful, but I do think the relationship they build in this show is better. I genuinely think it's better than what what we had in the game. Mm-hmm. There's um, more of it. Yeah, exactly. I fell in love with Sarah in this, you know, um, and their relationship, their dynamic. She's making sure he gets up, 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 up for bed for work. She's making him pancakes and breakfast, making sure he celebrates his own birthday. Yeah. Um, super helpful to her, obviously her father and her neighbors. She's just genuinely a nice kid, and they're just wholesome. And you care about her, you care about him within mere minutes of watching this show. And, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so when the the gut punch comes 40 odd minutes in, um, it hurts. It really hurts this time around. Like it hurt when, like, you know, you played in the game the first time. But it was just something about it. Do do you mean, uh, do you mean this gut punch, mate? (laughs) Sir. We are not sick! I'm sorry. Please, stop. No, no, no. no. Okay. You're okay. I know, I know, I know, I know, baby. I know, I know. I know this hurts. You're gonna be okay. Alright. Dummy, help me! It's that. It's it's the scream that gets me. It's too much. It, oh, mate. It's, that I, scream, like, Nico Parker's, uh, su- not surprisingly, but given given what she's being asked to do, like superbly performed uh, role. But even Gabriel Luna's kind of stunned mm, silence, yeah. it, it all just comes together, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. For me, at least, there's so much more emotion in this scene than it was in the game. And again, it's probably developed through how much time we actually get to spend with Sarah and Joel uh, in the early part of this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, that's a, a change that they've done, which works. It works very well. And okay, all three of them have fantastic performances, but when Pedro screams, Tommy, help me, like, I um, I swelled up the first time I watched it. Mind you, the second twice, time as well. It. Yeah, I, I didn't the second time, but as you just played the clip, shivers just went straight down my oh, spine. God. It, it's, again, um, Obviously, uh, Pedro Pascal filmed this during the time that The Mandalorian was filming, which mm-hmm. he's not required to be there because he primarily is, does just does voice work. Yeah. But this, I think, will do so much more for that man's career. Um, you know, he's showcasing his talents. Within the within 40-odd minutes of the first episode, he's gone through a wide range of emotions. 100%. Showcasing just how talented he is. Um, you know, obviously supported by a fantastic cast in in uh, Nico and and Gabriel, but he he's so good in this episode. Um, yeah, the desperation in that scene, the tears running down his face, it's just yeah, it's powerful. It's very powerful. It is, and it comes down to the the, the POV, the storytelling. We know that. Um we, we we spend more time with Sarah compared to maybe how much we do in the game. And it works so much. You, you, we believe that these people, 
that this this is a family this is a father and a daughter that for all the flaws he might have she loves him dearly he loves her dearly and it's just little moments like when she goes to get his watch fixed or Mm -hmm. uh, when you know when they're kind of having that friendly back and forward about going to see the adlers the neighbors and you know she'll she'll spend as much time as you want with you uh once she's back from school and even when she's there she's still doing her homework she's keeping up with studies she's just a genuinely nice person and even when Mm -hmm. mrs adler connie says no no we're not making chocolate cookies we're making raisin if that was me i would have burnt the house down but, but she just yeah. gives a little look and she's yeah. like okay fine i really wanted chocolate chip but whatever um yeah no, it's because they let us spend time with those characters with sarah for those who haven't seen the played the game you've got to imagine I, I imagine that they're probably watching this they're seeing we're spending a lot of time through sarah's eyes that she's going to be one of the main protagonists of this season that's how i try mm. to put myself into that shoes of you know we're really showing you know a lot through her eyes and I can't, you know, I can't wait to see more of the reactions from people who who haven't played the game. But I think the the, the chaos after they realise what's happened after the after the bombs start falling and the Adlers have been, you know, the old ladies had her head knocked in by a wrench. The absolute <laughs> carnage that yeah. follows after that when they're going to to the to the to downtown, they go past Jimmy. It's now Jimmy's barn, which is on fire, house on fire. But when they get into when they get into the into the town. And there's just people running everywhere, like the game. There's there's mm. chaos. There's planes falling from the sky, which I thought was which I, I liked that. I people I I know people didn't, but I like that. But it's they didn't like it. I've seen people saying it's too much. Usually from first name, lots of numbers on Twitter, but um, most some people see that was. I thought it was for me thrilling. It was yeah. because I mean, how else? I know they do it in the game, but in terms of this, you've got to find a way to to end that moment so we can get to the next part, which is, I think it, it works really well. But the way they use the camera in this scene, in this shot, again, it's very much from Sarah's POV, but it also mm. feels a lot like the video game as well in these moments. It looks like they you feel, you, you feel, yeah, you it. feel like you're in that car with them as oh. that, as you watch that plane come closer and closer. Yeah. It's like a know? documentary feel almost of, but in, of it. in the game, it's not a plane, is it? It's a car. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah car. exactly. So, and again, I think this works so much better. Like I felt dread with that plane coming towards them, you know. Um, yeah, I, I think it works way way better in the in this. Mm-hmm. And even like again, it goes to the set design and how you know having Druckmann as well on board, how it feels one for one for the game. I know that's a change, but you feel like you're in the same world. Like you feel like you are in that in back in the game when yeah. all this carnage is happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Joel but, being isolated from from his brother and running oh, with dude. Sarah down the alleys to try and get her to safety. You know um, the color grading does a lot as well. I found the color grading is excellent, mm-hmm. especially in that first half. The colors really felt yeah. like they'd been taken. The palette was from the game, and I felt like I was in that world. You can't take your eyes off the screen no. when once all this is happening. Once like once you start seeing the little turns. Like when Sarah's in in the Adler's house, and she's looking at the DVDs because she's gonna take one home and play it for her father because it's his birthday. Yep. And you see the old lady who who we know is you know she's she has a disability. She's wheelchair bound. Yep. We never see any movement from her in the episode that far. Mm-hmm. Her husband feeds her like, 
And she's in the background, you're seeing the twitches. She's kind of Yeah, and it's unnerving, and the dog is staring. The dog's like, nope. It you does. Know? Like, I, oh. I, I know what's coming. I ain't having any of this. And the, the way that the dog comes into it later to get Sarah out of the house, because it could feel a bit cliche. She turns on the telly. There's a PSA going out. Do not leave your house. Do not leave your house. What is the first thing to do? Do is she leaves the house. But it's because the, mm-hmm. the neighbor's dog who we've met is bangs on the window. He's almost asking for help. It, it kind of, it, the dog lures mm-hmm. her out and then she sees that the neighbor's door is open, the Adler's door, and it becomes almost like a horror movie at that part. And, you know, seeing, uh, seeing the old dude. Uh, slumped in the corner trying to warn her you see the old lady just noshing down on on connie you know take that for your raisin cookies and the way she then chases her it's like a horror film it could have been tropey but the little seeds like we know that we know she's got a relationship with the dog and the dog is what brings her out she doesn't suddenly just think i'm gonna go for a walk on the front lawn yeah you know like that dog coming to her she's like oh no my my neighbors are in trouble yeah like she she cares for them. It seems to be an occurrence that she goes over there weekly, if not almost daily, yeah, to, to help out or just spend to be time with that family. It's like companionship, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like you know, she's over there earlier in the episode, just doing her homework, you know, and just giving <laughs> yeah. them company. Oh my! And um, how about how the the outbreak day? How about how the tension is so slowly introduced from minute one? You know, there's something happening, and we know it. And how they yeah, stretch like, that out. Yeah, so it's in in the scene where uh, Joel and Sarah and um, and Tommy are all in, in Joel's kitchen. Mm-hmm. It's it's on the radio. They're talking about like a virus in Indonesia. That's it, Jakarta. You know, and um, that's just there in the background. Something always feels slightly off throughout the show. Like something in the background, something's wrong. You know, whether it's it's the radio or. When she goes to the shop to get her, her father's watch fixed, oh, you know, police um, cars going. The, the police cars, yeah, like the just it's just the slow build up of it all, and no social media then, in these days either. No, exactly. So you know, that's why as soon as she goes into the the Adler's house, she asks, "Has there been anything on the news? There's so much more police around, yeah, at the moment." Um, and they're like, "No, is this just how it is? You know what it's like around here." And it's those sort of moments that, again, this is why it wouldn't work if I think if it was set in 2013. You know, because mm-hmm. they would be getting alerts on their phones yep. or whatever, and but, but this adds a, a larger sense of dread and fear throughout. Um, a looming threat that you know is coming, you know is going to be carnage <laughs> when it arrives, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what it is. Literal planes falling from the sky, um, and yeah, it's it's all magnificently done. Um, again, I also love. The, the work they've done in um, in Joel, and just the smaller things where we learn that he's he's obviously he's a single parent, yeah. But it seems that all his focus is on working, working, working. He's probably barely making ends meet because um, he's willing to do it like a twelve-hour shift that day. He doesn't want to bring anybody else because he can't afford to lose any of the money. Yeah. Like he doesn't even want to split it with his own brother. <laughs> um, you know, Sarah says, like, I stole $20 from you to fix your watch because I know you wouldn't do it for yourself. You know, he doesn't want to get himself a cake. He doesn't want to spend money. He just wants to provide for Sarah. Yeah. Um, which, again, only adds to Joel as a character and what a good person and a good human he is to begin with. Because, obviously, deep, deep down, he Joel is, we, but yeah. 
yeah, the Joel we meet in in twenty years, he's he's not the same Joel to begin with. Oh man, um, the, the, when we when we meet him in twenty years, and he's without hesitation, without blinking, is more than more willing, not happy, but more than willing to just pick up that dead child and throw him on the fire. You know, it's oh yeah, the parallels. He doesn't think twice. You know, the parallels between that guy, that little guy who we meet. Uh, running up to, what are they running, stumbling up to the Boston QZ, the quarantine zone. Then we find out, because that's, and that's where we really find out now when we meet Fedra. We've heard about Fedra a lot, but we've met mm-hmm. them, the, the Federal Disaster Response Agency. They're the ones who are in control. We, we, we kind of hear whisperings of this, uh, militia, this faction called the Fireflies. But we find, we, we find out about Fedra and this kid ends up stumbling into one of their zones and he's infected. And the woman's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, do you know what? We'll get you some food. We'll get you some clothes. We'll get you some. We'll get you some toys. Just, just sit there and let us put you to sleep for a minute." And then the next scene, he's just being incinerated. I, you know, the way they, the way that was handled, I thought was very. It was very sad, tragic, and also a little bit malicious as well. Uh, there was something. There's an undercurrent of villainy behind. That. I don't want to say evil because in the end of the day, he was going. They were going to kill him anyway, but. The way maybe it's the way it's framed. The fact you know the kid looks so happy at that, mm. at that one point, and then the next thing, yeah, he's just bag over his head, tied up in the back of a truck. It's like the game. It's you know they it's uncompromising, and that's that's something which I think a lot of people might find a little shocking. Yeah, yeah. There was little just details in, on in the walls as well uh, with that kid when he was um, when he was getting checked over. Um, if you get bit on the neck, it's between five to 15 minutes that you'll turn um i think it was on the body or the arms right it said uh two two hours was it i think so roughly and then it's like 24 hours that the next one was on your leg yeah it was 12 to 24 if it's on your leg or like lower down and that like is a thing to keep an eye on as well as we go throughout this show because there's they're establishing rules in this episode you know but they Um, do it they do it without shoving them in your face as well Exactly. Yeah. So we're we're understanding how Fedra operate. We're understanding kind of what the fireflies are and what this world is. You know, they're using that little because they they don't even tell us what that device is when they put it on the kid's neck. Mm-hmm. It just touches him, and they we see a red light. Obviously, red indicator of bad. Yeah. Um, Green so good. So within that moment, yeah. So in, within that moment, we know. Okay, this kid, he's got it. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's just little signs like that. And yeah, like you said, Joel, he's pretty ruthless at this point, just lobbing that kid uh, into the fire. No hesitation. Um, And especially then going around the back streets to do a drug deal later on. Yeah. Yeah, That's essentially what he's doing. Um, I know it's to fund getting a truck, getting a battery specifically for his truck. um, So he can go and search for his brother. Which again, glimpses of the Joel we know, you know, the caring, because even, you know, his relationship with, with Tommy, he, as Tommy ends up in jail early on in the episode, and with one phone call, he jumps, he goes to help his brother. Yeah. You know, um, and it's the same situation here, like, his brother is out there somewhere in the world, and we know just how dangerous this world is. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we've been told how dangerous this world is. We've yet to see just how bad it is. Obviously, me and you know from playing the games what's out there, like, what he's going to encounter, but um, 
Yeah, of course. He wants the only piece of family he's got like, to be with him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, that fixer guy on the radio, the guy who takes the radio comms, you know, he's, mm. he's, you know, to- Joel's going there all the time to hear, see if he's heard anything from Tommy. And even, I mean, even before that, we see people being hanged in the street for venturing outside yeah. of the QZ. You could, I, I wouldn't, um, excuse any behavior, violent behavior, of course, but if you look at, from that time jump you look at what the world has become and how the people mm. are acting in this kind of militant state they're living under i can't imagine trying to survive 20 years in that and you and after especially after what joel went through not becoming this kind of stone-hearted mercenary or smug like he's become the guys the guy's kind of lost everything he mm. holds dear but there's still yeah. it's a bit like darth vader but there's still that kind of chink in there like when he's desperate for tommy later on in the episode when he shouts at marlene you know you you know my brother's out there then you took him away from me essentially and she's like that's not what happened mm. mate you know he still cares and as we know from the game and from joel you know he he does he's, he's just had pretty much his humanity was taken away from him in that yeah. moment in 2003 in this series it's even to see how, how joel copes with day-to-day life you know mm-hmm. he's he's doing his job he's you know He's doing what he can to, you know, survive. What pays more? And then, what pays more? Yeah, and when he goes to his apartment, he's taking drugs and he's drinking alcohol just to get get him to go to sleep. Yeah. So he doesn't have to be awake anymore. He doesn't have to live this life, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, he's surviving. He's not living. And, you know, it's that human contact he's trying to find with, with Tommy. And then that comes in with his relationship with Tess. You know, um, she comes in and as he's asleep, she like, you know, cuddles up to him. And yep. once she's, once he sees the next day that she's a bruised, he wants to go to war yeah. for her. Like yeah. he, you know, he does have these connections. Maybe it's small, you know, he doesn't have a large group around him. But if you're on Joel's side, if you're with Joel, he'll fight for you. He'll do whatever it takes to, to keep you safe. As you know, we'll learn from the rest of the show. Yeah, he doesn't uh, hold back. As we learn from the game, Tess is played by the the awesome Anna Torf, and their their relationship is a little bit less subtle here. There's no like yeah. proper confirmation, but you know there is subtext. We we can see it there that they they have a they have history together, and um, I thought she was very good as well. I thought Anna Torf was very good. We mentioned Nico Parker, Pedro and uh, Gabriel Luna currently but I think Anna Torv is very good as well as again this un- unflinching kind of badass woman out there who's again been through it all you know she's seen it she's been through it to the point where she gets an absolute kicking from from Rob who's Robert who's in the game play, this guy played by Brendan Fletcher who I remember from Freddy versus Jason um mm. and you know th- things here are kind of changed up a bit from the game before the better like they're going to get they're getting a car battery rather than maybe artillery um and how Rob goes out, but the, like, the way she can like, sort of take a beating and still just, you know, look this guy in the eye and be like, what are you, what are we doing here? Let me go. Um, and, and then she gets captured by Fedra, who thinks she's a firefly because they, they managed to infiltrate the QZ. But those two, uh, Joel and, and Tess, again, I think in terms of chemistry, I think they work well. I believe them as a hardened, friend friendly sexual couple whatever it is the the show wants us to believe they are i i get it i get the motivations as well i get they just want to they just want to get out of there and find 
Tommy certainly Joel does he wants to find Tommy and get out of there but he, as the show has already shown you know, and the guy on the radio says there are worse things out there than the infected is it any safer mm, yeah. being out there mate yeah and that's the thing uh, we know from playing the two games just how bad things are outside of the QZs yep you know um <laughs> like I, I don't know if we can go into like the last of us part two spoilers i imagine we can't because I'd, I'd like to hope people who haven't played the games are listening to this um so i don't want that that would be major future spoilers um yeah, yeah i'll keep them i'll keep i'll keep them under my hat for the minute yeah but the, you know they they mention things like raiders and slavers and all these sort of things yeah and that's not even the worst of what's happened in that world you know, um, Jesus. from what we've seen in the games, you know, um, and like this, the show, they shows, it shows us, um, infected in this show, in this episode specifically, um, it, but the early stages of infection, yep. you know, um, there's degrees to that, you know, which will, which are progressed of the games and you imagine it will be throughout these seasons if they do them. Um, I certainly hope so. Yeah, it's a dangerous thing to do. Um, so when the task comes that Joel has to travel across the current day for his to find his brother, going to Wyoming again, only, yeah, then in Wyoming, yeah, and it's it's that sense of dread. Um, there's always a looming fear throughout this show. You don't know what's around <laughs> any corner. This the you're stuck in these walls on the QZ, and it's disastrous. There's fighting, there's conflict, there's like I said, there's drug deals. There's just kids being thrown into fires. There's, it's it's not great, right? It's it's not a great place to be. But yeah, you gotta wonder: is if is if is this the place you need to be? Yeah, to live to survive. Imagine um, that being the safest place to be. Exactly. Imagine. Um, yeah, uh, but the one person we haven't spoken about yet, and I'm amazed we haven't because she's awesome in the role, is Bella Ramsey as Ellie. Um, Dude. I I I was familiar with Bella Ramsey from Game of Thrones, which I thought she was fine in, so I didn't have high expectations. I thought she was good it's in that from what I saw. Yeah, but it's just because I didn't see her in a lot. I only saw her in that one show. It's Leanna um, Mormont, yeah. I'm way more familiar with, with Pedro from various movies he's been in. I don't count the Mandalorian, because he's we hardly see him. We hear him a lot. We yeah. hardly see him. And like you said, this um, show is good. And I, I, you know, well, we both love Star Wars. We are doing Star Wars sessions, but yeah. the this will do wonders for him. The man Mando does not show his range. It shows how good he is at emoting it with his voice. But a lot of the great work there is done by the excellent stunt worker, stunt men on Mando, Latif Crowther, Brendan Wayne, and the Anil. But here, yeah, he gets to really, really, really show his chops. But as Joel, like you may, we've mentioned Bella now as Ellie, those two together work better than any combination you can think of in, in, in the game. The, their chemistry, the way they're written, how Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson work together is special and spectacular. So he had to carry that as well. And Bella Ramsey, it's, you know, whether or not they want to be compared to the game, I don't care. It's going to happen, unfortunately. It's going to happen. But yeah. they've got it's, they've it's got a as working actors, professional actors. They they have to have a chemistry, regardless of that. I think they're brilliant together. Mm-hmm. I genuinely think they're brilliant yeah. together. And I think Bella Ramsey, 
she felt like Ellie in this episode. I don't want to hear and anybody saying about, oh, she doesn't look like Ellie, you know, miss me or that, that mess. It's, let's just keep it to yourself. That doesn't matter. It doesn't, because like, you don't have to look like your one-to-one counterpart to a video game or, or your animated character. We've had this so many times. It is, it's the same thing when people say, let's get Sebastian Stan as for Luke Skywalker because he looks like him. I don't, I don't care if you look like someone. You've got to feel like them. You've got to, you've got to embody them. You've got to be that person. And in, in this episode specifically, I felt like I was watching Ellie, the way she was talking, the way she was cursing, the little, the, the head movements, the mannerisms. She got it. She nailed it, mate, in this one for me. She, yeah, she's amazing. Um, she was like breathtaking. Like, I didn't know she'd be that good as Ellie. <laughs> it was, for me, it felt like she was ripped right out of the game. I know she doesn't really look like her, but it's not the point. Exactly. Her spirit is Ellie. Like, you, she embodies the role perfectly. Like like you said, her cursing, her mannerisms, like how she <laughs> carries converse. herself. Yeah, every, everything is just... The knife. Perfect. Like, you could not tell her to do anything differently, because for me, she nailed it. <laughs> and again... It's a, in, and it's in stark contrast to, to Pedro because, and again, this is why their relationship and their dynamic works so well, is she's charismatic and she's outspoken mm-hmm. and she's witty and funny. And and he's the opposite. Um, yeah, and he's more somber and reserved. And like a lot of his acting, Pedro's acting in this, is through his eyes. Whereas, you know, with Bella, it's more physical and it is, you know, working with the script, working with the dialogue that she has, um, which, which she shines where Pedro is the opposite. Yeah. It's from lack of dialogue and he just, how good he is as an actor, his facial emotions, they work so well. And the meeting between them, um, is also <laughs> really fun. Oh, when he um, eats her into the wall. <laughs> he, he eats her into the wall and she's constantly trying to like steal her little knife back from under his foot. The way he's looking, he's um, look, he looks like a right stud there as well. He's got his hairs all wet and greased back. I was like, damn, this guy's handsome. And the, the way he just looks at her and points the gun at her and Marlene at this point, she's been shot like she was in the game. And she's also got uh, her right hand, her right hand woman next to her, who's uh, Kim, who's oh, played by that, Natasha that, that line that she gives killed what me. What about her ear? Where the, yeah, yes. well, she asks Joel and Tess uh, to, to, you, to, you know, get Ellie where Transport she needs to go. Transport the cargo, yeah. Yeah, and her right-hand uh, woman, I can't remember her name, Kim. unfortunately. Kim. Um, she's like, I'll do it. <laughs> she just says, you haven't got a year on your head. And yeah. I was like, oh, my. Like, you haven't got a right ear just, on your effing head and just screams at her. Yeah, and like her, like the look of disappointment on her face, <laughs> you know, it just killed me. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that that was such a funny moment, which I didn't expect. I didn't expect to be laughing uh, you know in what the, the first flight, episode. Flight say, mate, they say when you're lost in the darkness, look for the light. And yeah. in that moment, I yeah. think Marlene was just like, "Dude, you haven't got an ear. Back down." Yeah, and because we don't know that, we we can't see that she's had her ear shot off. But uh, yeah, she has Kim. I think <laughs> Kim's a new character uh, to the to the canon uh, yeah she's played by natasha mumba what i also like about her character is f- just a few minutes earlier she's she you know fronts up to marlene and says what we do what, what what's the point of the fireflies what, what are we actually doing here what's the you know, how, uh, what is how do we measure our effectiveness in 20 years we you know what are we doing mm. why is there a kid chained up in the basement we can see that the fireflies are 
they are rebellion rebellious but they're not really making much ground they're not really standing up to Fedra how they'd want to and the kind of internal doubts that the members are having even the higher ups I thought that was quite good we're not just introduced mm-hmm. to the Fireflies as this kind of all conquering uh, faction which will take you down can infiltrate and, and are like James Bond no no this is just a ragtag organisation which is held together by duct tape and hope and we see that there and even at the end when Marlene says to Joel you've got to take this kid she you know just get her there whatever you do don't mess this up but you've got to do it you know they're we, we can see that Joel and Marlene have a history just from this standoff in the hallway but the fact that she ha- but we, we as an audience aren't told obviously what of Ellie's at the time of Ellie's uh, why is she so special it's because of course she is immune at this time we're not told she's immune she's, she's been bitten she's been three weeks ago she is a, immune to the cordyceps infection she's, she, she can't change she can't become infected she is infected but she can't she won't turn into one of them but you know, Joel doesn't know that, but Marlene is basically bestowing upon him the most, well, similar to Mandalorian, the most precious cargo in the world because they could potentially manufacture a cure from Ellie's mm-hmm. blood. But that's how ragtag it is. The point being that you know that kind of level of cargo, and he's like, oh, we've got to give it to this 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 idiot, this smuggler, basically. Uh, it just shows that the Fireflies aren't an all singing, all dancing faction. I think that's set up really well as well. Yeah, what I liked about Marlene as well is the the little relationship they've established with Ellie. Because uh, once she's chained up and being held prisoner, um, she's using the name Veronica. Yes, yes. And Marlene is the first one to call her by her actual name, Ellie. Um, she knows who she is. And Ellie's response is, are you my mom or something? Like, <laughs> Do I look like your mom? No. Yeah, that was a great response. And it's like, well, there's a history there. Like, yeah. Marley knows way more about Ellie than Ellie even knows that she knows. Yeah, mystery um, box. We know, yeah, we know that Marlene saved Ellie at one point. She said she didn't shoot her when she could have. Yep. Um, you know, puts and... puts her through military school, Fedra military school. Yeah, uh, so again, we've learned quite a bit there in that scene, which might go over people's heads, but it is going to be important for the future of this season. And yeah, so you know, again, these like even just rewatching this episode, um, <laughs> we won't go to future spoilers of this of the season or the game, but just seeing certain parallels that are in this episode that come into play again later on, it was, you know, again, just the, the first watch it wasn't enough. Like going back now and knowing what's to come, you notice all these other minor details, whether it be in the conversation, whether it be something on a radio or just things in the background you know like i said like what i mentioned like the poster um with how quick it takes for people to turn depending on where you've been bitten they are constantly feeding you information in this world without you even realizing yeah yeah unless you're looking for every bit of detail and again i missed it on the first go around and this is i'm a person who like has played the, the initial game like multiple times um it just shows you how well constructed this world is and Dreckman, I'd say he's relishing in re- doing this story again in a different medium. Yes, I agree. Um, and I think him and Mason, like, we can talk about our general thoughts on the season because we've put our reviews out. I think that's an incredible partnership. Mm-hmm. And that, that partnership doesn't dip throughout the season. Um, you, you're coming into this episode, and if you if you enjoy this episode, you're, I, I can guarantee you're probably going to enjoy this season. Yes. Um, it's a constant high quality throughout um 
And just that's the advice I'd give to people is just look for the little details in every scene because exactly. it will matter. And it's only going to enhance your experience once you have the eureka moment when you see certain characters in the future or see certain things. Um, again, I think it's beautiful how they've constructed this show. Um, and then a moment I loved is when Joel Joel's agreed to to transport Ellie. Yeah. And you know, once they once they get out of the city, uh, once they get out of the QZ, they encounter the man that Joel did a drug deal with. Oh, the cop, yeah. And well, the security the cop. Car, yeah. And they during that moment, a sound from the game occurs. He's just he's just having to pee up against a wall. And he turns around and it's the same it's the oh. same cue from the game when somebody's gonna spot you. And even just hearing that that, that got me pumps. Tension it's just a man peeing up against a wall, right? <laughs> but if it gets you pumped, mate, pumped. then whatever floats your boat. I know, right? So it's yeah, <laughs> it was again last year, um a video uh, a video game was adapted into the big to the big screen, Uncharted, another <laughs> naughty dog. <laughs> project and if you notice Naughty Dog weren't really involved <laughs> as they are with this yeah this is hands on Druckmann is writing it and direct helping direct and yeah. um yeah the stark contrast there you know um the characters in this feel exactly like the characters that we met in the game the the musical cues the attention to detail all that's there all that's that feels like people who care about what they're adapting yeah they care about the source material Whereas you watch Uncharted and, you know, Mark Wahlberg, he does not feel like Sully. And, you know, the, the use of the music in um, in Uncharted is weird. Like, they play the theme once and, you know, like me and you talked about, when we when we hear the last of theme hit for the first time, it, it, it was chilling it, it was it threw it knocked me it was, sick. I don't, I don't know what it was about it. It's just the way it came on with, with that kind of hauntingly beautiful opening montage of of the infection spreading mm. and it looks so it looks, it's like annihilation the the alex garland film if yeah. everything looks so beautiful but this is what has ended the world basically and it's uh, yeah, of course they've got back gustavo santolala santolala the oscar winner is back again when mm. that when it hits mate it's just like you say it's yeah. goosebumps and he he uh he also does the score throughout he also has a co-composer as well but it's it's mm. that attention to detail with those kind of in in game in in moment in scene cues like yeah. that sound yeah having the original composer back having the one of the creators of the game or the, the brainchild on board on set on production and on the writing team it's little things like that i mean yeah they, they asked the actors not to watch to play the game i understand that uh, i'm like we know that bella ramsey watched some stuff on youtube but having the right people, it's just like have the right people in the right places and you'll get the results. Now, I don't mean to say that Uncharted wasn't a labour of love. I'm sure people who worked on that game, that worked on that film, sorry, really liked the game. But it doesn't translate like this does to, to the point of what you no. said. It's the little things in, in the background or the the attention to detail that if you pause the scene and just look around at what's there, there's so much information to take in, some which will become relevant, some which won't. But it just adds flavour. It just expands the the world a little bit more. I mean, just even in that back in two thousand and three, you see very quickly a shot of a, a girls' soccer team, a girls' football team, 
we know that from the mm. game. There's, there's there's a football there, a soccer ball, which is exactly the same as the one in the game. There's Joel's guitar. Yeah. They're a little like even the DVD he gets for his birthday, the Curtis and Viper Two DVD, means so much when you certainly when you play The Last of Us Two. There's so many little moments mm-hmm. in there just for the the game nerds, but but for people out there who just oh, want yeah. to find out more about the world, like you said, there's there's signs here, there's signs there, there's little lo- lines of dialogue, maybe name dropping someone, which seems innocuous at first, but they come back and they'll come back in a big way. Yeah, everything like I said, it's, it's meticulous with it, with with Mason and and Druckmann. They've they clearly love what they're doing. Druckmann still has a lot of love and appreciation for his first game, which is again ten years old, yeah, and it's incredible that he's coming back to it, and it's refreshing. It's it's telling the tale that we, we you and I know, but it's still refreshing. There's minor changes, and like throughout the season, there's changes, like bigger ones, and you know, again, it's it's people who care, and that's all that matters. I was reading that uh, Sony wanted to make a movie for this before. And, uh, you know, Sam Raimi was on board oh, to direct. Was it like a Screen Gems film or something? They wanted it to be... So they wrote the script and they said, they're not a fan of it, they wanted it to be more like World War Z. Uh, ex- that exactly. is what they wanted. That's like, like the point we said up top, that in different hands, this could have just been a Resident Evil knockoff. Nothing wrong with, we love Resident Evil, mm-hmm. but it could have just been... People would have seen it like that, Rose. It stands... On its own, you know, it stands on the shoulders of, of other great works of uh, of fiction, or maybe not fiction, given some of the things we hear at the beginning. But um, um, that's that, that's the problem: is you see this game, and I've seen a few people, and I know you've mentioned this, but not quite as vitriolic people saying, you know, where, where are the, you know, where, where in this episode, where are the infected? I want to see more. I want to see what, mm. what you know, what's out there, and you know, th- that's never really been the story. The Last of Us is a yeah. survival game, but. Druckmann compares yeah. it more to um, No Country for Old Men and things like that rather than World War Z, for example. And that's how I'd rather yeah. have it because it works better like that and sprinkle in yeah. the, the horror and the those kind of moments of carnage after you've done the, and, the heavy work with the drama. Yeah, and in regards to the to the infected, they they use primarily in the in the video game for gameplay reasons. Exactly. You know? And that can't translate one for one. Yeah, um, too much. It would be too much, um, but again, I don't want to go to future spoilers of this show. Um, but we do see them; we will see them. And I, you know, if you've ever read, if you've read my review, like some of my criticisms lie with the affected, mm-hmm. not how they are presented. Um, yep. But you know, um, again, I don't want to go to future spoilers. But we're going to build up to it. You now know as a viewer that there's something worse out there than what we've already seen in in the QZ and worse than what we've seen on Outbreak Day. Yeah. So it's humans. <laughs> that again, it's yeah, humans or infected, but it's it's the tension they're building. Yeah. What's again. out there. And this it's done throughout this episode all the time. The constant building of tension and dread and the wonder of what's to come. Well on that point, you mentioned Joel, the the cop um having a having a tinkle against the wall mm. that is that that's a perfect kind of switcheroonie as well when when he turns around and he's got his gun pointed at joel ellie and tess and he realizes it's joel and he's kind of you can almost sort of the tension almost fades when he puts he lifts his visor and he's like oh you gotta be kidding me 
And at that moment, you're thinking, I was. You're thinking, oh, thank God. It's him. He knows Joel. He's going to do him a solid. He's going to let them mm-hmm. out. The way that scene has played, especially on second viewing, the way that scene has played, especially when he says, oh, you've got to be kidding me. It looks like in that moment, the tension's gone and they're going to be okay. But then, obviously, they find out that the guy's a job's worth and they're not going to, he's not going to be okay because Joel remembers Sarah and he's not letting this guy get away with this. But it's, it's those moments that, you know, the tension of what's out there, but it's also how they play with it. it that to me was a really interesting, really cool little misdirector. I don't know if anyone else thought the same, but go back and rewatch that mm-hmm. scene. The way he kind of says, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. It's almost like it's a fun moment where it's like, Oh, whew, let's all take a breath. It's going to be okay. But uh, I enjoyed that as a misdirect. Yeah. And on the moment where Joel snaps as well, I think that's good for the character of Joel where for us as a viewer, and especially for newcomers, you know what's simmering under the surface now in Joel. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the length he's going to go to. Um, and this is nothing as to what he does in the game <laughs> on whatever. Like, he, he goes far further. <laughs> but that moment as well, I don't know if it did for you, but it reminded me of Drive. When he was ruthlessly in the bashing elevator. this man's face in. Yeah. The elevator. Yeah. So, um, and you look at... Um, Bella Ramsey in the background and she's 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 not happy to begin with but she's like relieved but then you see this, the dread soak upon her face yeah she's almost and, enthralled isn't she by when what by when she can't quite see what's happening yeah and when she realizes just how far Joel's going that's it you know, she she knows I shouldn't really mess with this yeah. man. Well, they even say um, they know. Marlene says, "I know what you two, Je- uh, Joel and Tess, I know what you two are capable of." Mm. And Ellie says, "What are they capable of?" And it's similar to Sarah when she sees Joel like cave in the old lady Adler's face at the beginning. She's she's shocked. She's in tears. Why wouldn't you be? And then you've got a parallel yeah. here with Ellie, the way she's watching it, uh, and there's a little that little flashback in his mind when he sees the cop pointing the gun at him and Sarah and that's why he lashes out they're already setting mm. up that dynamic aren't they that chemistry and the dynamic the kind of surrogate father and daughter dynamic and and pairing just in that one moment but the way they did it like you said it, it, it it's for Ellie's benefit but also for the newcomers out there to know that hey this is Pedro Pascal he's a nice guy yeah but in the, in this th- series this is what you yeah. got to do to survive and they've hinted They've hinted at Joel being a massive threat. You know, when Robert is like, yes. what about your man? He's going to come for me. Like, he's, you know, and we, you know, we don't see Joel do anything to him because Marlene and the Fireflies have already taken him down by the time Joel And Tess tells him not him. to, didn't she? She says, um, don't go in there and take him out yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, it's been this buildup of Joel as well of, this is not a man you want to mess with. There's something under the surface. Even if you go back to, as you said, with the wrench, like he's doing, he's doing what needs to be done, <laughs> you know. And in this moment, he's right, like he's again behind him right. is Tess, somebody he cares, somebody he cares about. That gun goes off and hits the wrong person again. Yeah, that's another person, one of the, one of two people in his life he has a connection with. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, um, we, again, it's implied it's romantic, but they're probably just with each other to survive yeah. to get through this life and again if that gun goes off and hits Tess who's Joel got yeah he's just got this kid 
Yeah. You know? And the, and that the he doesn't know, he doesn't care there. about. And the hope that Tommy's out there. And, you know, nobody wants to say it to Joel, but when somebody hasn't responded for three weeks, the implication is they're probably no longer here. They're probably no longer alive. And Joel won't give up on that. Yep. He can't give up on that. Yep. It's what they need. It's, it's what Joel needs. He needs that connection. He needs to have family. Yep. And, you know... Um, he needs something to tether you know, to some kind of sanity almost. The, the humanity. Like, Joel has lost himself. Like I said, he's not... He's not living anymore. He's surviving. Yeah. Like, you know, once his job is done for the day, he just goes and drinks and takes drugs and falls asleep. He doesn't want to be part of this world. You know? Yep. A part of Joel died the same day as Sarah did. So... Damn. You know, what, what's he got? I can't. Like, other I can't than his brother. I can't think of the scene again. It generally makes me... It, it makes me well up just seeing like father over a daughter like that. And even, even in those last moments, it's going to be okay. But yeah, man, you're saying, they're saying, uh, this is nothing here in this world is, is good. You know, you're kind of told there's nothing worth fighting for. There's nothing worth saving. But to, to Joel, there's always something you, whether or not he outwardly emotes that just in this scene where he beats the living hell out of this cop, he beats him to death with his bare hands. He has. It's not a up. random guy. It's a guy he knows. This guy he has yeah. a relationship with. Yeah, he, he's like he, he's got. Yeah, he's not friendly per se. He has a relationship. Like yeah, and he's just willing to. In this moment already, whatever it takes, probably more so to save Tess. But but he's also remembering there's a good young there's a kid behind me. This this, mm. this is very much like it was twenty years ago. He has those flashbacks, but nothing in this world is good. We're told that straight away, and we and it continues through this episode. And I can't wait for people to kind of see what comes next from this world. But I think the way well, I think the way this ended was great as well. Then walking out of the QZ with the thunder and the lightning, and we see that the, the iconic images of the, mm-hmm. the tower buildings, the skyscrapers, kind of kind yeah. of caved in on top of each other, angled on top of each other, just like you're in the game. You can hear the the, the infected around sort of echoing around the the city it's it's like the like the fixer on the radio said you know you don't know what's out there there are worse things out there and just looking at how desolate this you know boston looks the radio plays an 80s record and early in the episode ellie's asking what does 80s mean because she knows 60s means bf right yep um what she says stands for bill and frank uh What's the what's the seventies? Is it new threat or something? Seventies. I think I thought seventies was was fine. I think I think it wasn't it wasn't that kind of. There's no there's nothing to worry about. Whereas eighties is is mm. bad. I think when they play an eighties, something bad. Yeah. yeah, and they play so the again. Mode, yeah. yeah. So we see Joel, Ellie, and Tess venture off it into the world as this song plays. <laughs> this song we know good song is not it's not you know a good sign no. based off of the information we learned in this very episode never let um, me down again by Depeche Mode mm. so again I think people have a lot to look forward to next week uh, and as a season as a whole um, I would love to hear from people who haven't seen who haven't played the games to see how this impacts them mm-hmm. um, I know two of our friends uh <clears throat> Pevy and, and Nick, they have never played the games and they're going to watch this show. So I, I'm, I'm very curious to see how it impacts those sort of people. Um, because you and I 
Again, it's my favourite video game, and Duroff is yours. Uh, um, it's as a series, it is yes, both of them. Yeah, so so you and I, we we love this world. We're well trodden in this world, and you know, and it thrills us. Even those little moments, like I said, like you know, the little musical cues or whatever details in the world. Yeah, I just want to see what it does for these people. Um, like I said, the, the 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 heart and soul of the of the Last of Us is the characters and is the story. It's not the gameplay. It's not the there's none of that. It is Joel, it is Ellie, and I hope it grips them the same as it did me when I played the game for the first time. And I'm sure it will, because Good I don't see how you don't TV. love It's great TV. I don't understand how you how you don't fall in love with Ellie and Joel by the end of the season. Um yeah. they're, they're Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal fantastic. And hats off to Druckmann and and Mason who's done a bang up job yeah. in this first episode and um you know it's a sign of things to come i know there are people out there who are trying to say they didn't like it but you can tell underneath it that they're begrudgingly realizing that actually this was a really good episode and all that complaining beforehand has a guy hasn't got you anywhere hey look we're, we're all down for different opinions but you know mm. there are some where you look at and think come on where's where, where have you pulled that one from son yeah i think this is this was a, a stellar way to start off a a, a, a new series of television a game aside a new series of television this was an excellent way to do it and even but even the way it started mate i just want to chuck that in the 1968 prologue this is mm-hmm. the exposition we need i think this was superb yeah. i think this was excellent you've got john hannah uh who's placed who, uh, an epi an epidemiologist called dr newman and you've got another doctor there played by christopher hayendahl and josh brenner's the host of this show and they're talking about you know, pandemics, they're talking about bacteria and, and John Hanna's character, Dr. Newman, says, you know, one day, you know, there's going to, it's not bacteria we have to worry about. It, it's fungus. And everyone's kind of giggling away. Mm. And he's like, listen, guys, oh, we know fungus can help. Look at penicillin. And at the minute, you know, the fungus needs, a, it has to be a certain temperature, needs a certain body temperature to thrive. We're not there yet, but he's like, what happens if the world was to get hotter? Wink, wink. Then we could be in for a problem here. There'd be no cure. You cannot prevent this. There's there's a fungus out there that keeps sub- the subject alive via because it prevents decomposition. And the the bit at the end of the interview where the the host says, "So what if you know what if this happens? You know what if this hypothetical scenario happens where the world does heat up and this fungus starts to attach itself to people?" He just says, "We lose," and that and that's it. Mm-hmm. That, in that moment, they're saying we're we're seeing that people knew about this you know there were warning signs out there yeah people just didn't want like in 2023 in the real world i don't want to get too political but we all know this is happening we all know what the threats are out there what are we going to do about it and the show says in the 60s there was somebody out there saying this could happen people die and then another pandemic will always come along but one day if it mutates or transforms or becomes something that we're not prepared for we are going to lose and and it's kind of you can tell that it's brushed off there is a kind of sense of dread in that studio but as you can tell by 2003 nothing's happened i think that is a brilliant way to launch the show to drop all the exposition you need without getting a powerpoint show out they also tell you in those moments how it all affects you yes you know um so again that tells us for the future of like when the disaster does happen when outbreak day does happen yeah um we understand what's going on with yeah we understand what was happening with the neighbors and you know that'll be always that'll always be in our minds and when we see the infected throughout the the rest of the season 
um, how they operate and how they've got to that point. You know, where we see various degrees of infected. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think again, yeah, it's fantastic world building to begin with. Yeah. Um, you know, you could say it's a little bit political, um, which isn't a surprise given. Uh, Amazing's past work on Chernobyl, um, but they're not wrong though. <laughs> they're, they're, they're not wrong. They're no, not... no, of course I'm not saying they're wrong. No, like, yeah, but, no. Um, yeah. Again, uh, something new added to this show that wasn't in the game, and uh, it's a great addition. So, and that keeps it fresh for me and you, who, who we do know the story, but having these new little scenes and uh, just adding to the to the world and the universe that we know, fantastic. Like, yeah. um. And how the, and there's no spores here either. We've got to say that there's no spores. This is this isn't an airborne um, infection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is yeah. this is transmitted, like they say, via bites. They show that in this episode. That's a change, and I think it's a change for the better because you've got to, you've got to adapt for your medium. And it's the, it's those yeah. it's the explanation of the infection. It's the change up to make it more appealing. I think for the television version of it having having less infected in this episode or whatever fine doesn't bother me um and and then you got other like small details like robbie doesn't get killed in a firefight you just we don't see it anyway they're not they're trying to find a car battery rather than whatever they're trying to find in the game i think it's guns little things like that but that doesn't matter that does not matter one bit because the story is actually better for it in the television format whether i'm not going to say it's better than the game story because they're two different things but they're different yeah for this it it, it works i think hats off like you say to to Druckmann, to mason and everybody there who wrote this who adapted it and all of the cast for episode one of this hey hey, look the next eight could be crap you never know um (laughs) well you will know if you read our reviews but for this one though mate i think it's great i think they nailed what made the world so appealing yet also so apocalyptic so horrible as well uh, little little things here and there the acting's great the music's great the the, sc- the sound design is excellent and the, the and cinematography the, is great cine- oh dude the cinematography you know at times you feel like you're in a video game other times it feels as cinematic as you as it as it as you can get it's just you know gut punch gut-wrenching emotional it's funny at times um the exposition isn't too mental it's not too heavy i think people who are new will be able to pick up what's going on fairly quickly and it ends with a really good setup going forward we know we know our protagonists are out of the apparent safety of the qz and they're out there in the in the wide world now so i think it's an extremely extremely strong episode i think it's i think it's excellent it's it's as good as flawless to me i'm trying to find something dude that I didn't like. Yeah, or, no, or wasn't as strong. I can't really. I, I could probably nitpick something here and there, mate. But there's nothing that jumps out to yeah. me. Where I thought, ah, I'm not sure, dude. Yeah, I, I think they nailed it, like pure and simple. Um, and I don't want to sound like a like, fanboy. I genuinely, no, I know, it. but there's it's, nothing really there. Which, yeah. which blue? Everybody's opinion is different. I'm sure there's things in this episode that didn't work for others, but for us, you know, again, we have we played the games, so maybe we're influenced in that degree. But then really we'd be very critical of them given our love for the original source material um so yeah it's i think they nailed it i can't think of a flaw if you know for, for me anyway personally so yeah they've they've nailed it and i don't know if anything's ever perfect but i think of course you know for a start for adapting 
a beloved game, one of the most like critically acclaimed games of all time. They've nailed it. They've nailed it. They've captured the spirit of the characters, the world, and uh, I think it's just as inviting for us veterans of the franchise as it is for newcomers. And you know, I hope everybody stays on this journey with us throughout this first season and again the only hope is that they fall in love with the characters and the story as much as we did um and i, I think most people will um it's, it's it's massively crafted so hats off to hbo and everybody involved with it um i, I couldn't you know be more pleased with how it's been handled no, I, I echo that, my friend. I thought it was, as I mentioned, I don't want to bang that drum too much. I thought it was excellently done. I don't want to come across as a as an unflinching fanboy, but there really wasn't anything in this that I disliked. I thought the, the change of tone was great. I thought the pacing was great. And the big moments that they adapted were done as good as, if not even better than what I've seen before from this story. So, yeah, hats off to, to everybody there on HBO and Sky Atlantic, and let's see if it can continue this upwards momentum next week my friend but is there anything else you wanted to mention about episode one before we uh wrap up isn't that i wanted to mention about episode one um i'm very happy with it i hope people tune in and listen to us next week um we, i don't know if we said it at the start of the episode but we're going to re- be releasing these on monday which is uh the day after the, the show is released in america the latest episode um and for the UK viewers, if you can't wait till 9 p.m. on the Monday, uh, it does air 2 a.m., I think, or 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning here. Yep, it's um, simulcasted. Yeah, so you you know, you know can get up really, uh, really if you want to watch it, sit very late, or you can record it and watch it the next day. Um, and yeah, hopefully you tune in week on week for the show, and hopefully you tune in week on week for us. Um, I think that's all I have to say on it. <laughs> Yeah, what he said. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this show as much as we enjoyed watching the first episode. And we'll be back again for episode two of The Last of Us on HBO and Sky Atlantic next Monday. Do let us know what you thought of the episode, though, and we'll tell you where you can do that right now. Uh, Bespin, where can the world find you online and where can they hear Bob the Podcast? Uh, so you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bespin Bolton. You can visit the website bespinbolton.com. And for the podcast, Bob the Podcast, you can find all, all good uh, podcast services. Yep, go check out the, the fun work that the guys do there. I've been on it a few times, it's fun. Uh, you can find me, whatiwatchtonight.co.uk, and just search for What I Watch Tonight on Twitter, Instagram, on Facebook, but more uh, active on the other two. And let us know what you thought about episode one of The Last of Us. Do you agree with us? Are we overhyping it? Are we underhyping it? Did you think it was a load of old rubbish? Do let us know what you thought and um yeah if if we get any mental comments maybe we'll read them out on the next episode but uh, that is going to be that then for clicker cast episode one we're going to be back again same time next week on the monday when you're lost in the darkness look for the light and this podcast from me though see ya from bespin toodaloo